Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the Future of Law, Good Lawyers podcast series dedicated to exploring what is and what could be when it comes to the business of law and how we as lawyers can improve access to legal services for everyone. Each week, we interview thought leaders in the legal profession on how lawyers can evolve with the times and ultimately live more fulfilled lives. Our guest tonight is Pauline Chan, an entrepreneur and one of our very own good lawyers who possesses over a decade of legal experience helping businesses of all sizes get the help they need. Our discussion with Pauline covers pretty much the entire lawyer's journey, from her experience in law school, being recruited by one of the top firms in the country, to ultimately deciding to walk away from big law to set up her own private practice and open a bar fitness studio. I won't lie, we take a few shots at Big Law during our conversation as we collectively engage in a cathartic venting of frustrations. But as you will hear at the end, none of us regret the path that got us to where we are today and hopefully we manage to leave it on a hopeful note. For any of you law students going through on-campus interviews at the moment, we hope this episode will at least give you a different perspective as you make your decisions on where you will article. Before we get to the show, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the upcoming Good Lawyer Summit happening November 3rd and 4th. The Good Lawyer Summit is a hybrid virtual and in-person event that will empower entrepreneurs and startups to level up their businesses while bringing together some of the brightest minds in law to reimagine a future where legal work is seen as a catalyst and not an obstacle. It's shaping up to be an amazing event, so make sure you reserve your free but limited tickets today. Links, of course, always in the show notes. All right, that is it for me. I hope you enjoy today's episode with Pauline Chan. Pauline, great to have you on the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm feeling good. Thanks for having me. I think just to start off, just a quick introduction. If someone asked you at a social gathering, which we're once again allowed to do, what do you do for a living? How would you answer that? I would say I do a little bit of everything, but I guess basically I'm an entrepreneur. I am a lawyer. I have my own law practice. That's sort of part-time, I suppose. And then um, the other sort of part-time thing that I do is I own and run a fitness studio. And I'm a mom to two boys, young boys. You mentioned that you're a part-time lawyer, but... I think when we dig into your story, it's going to be very evident that you were very much a full-time lawyer for a long time. Yes. Yeah. And your career has gone a lot of different places and you've got a lot of different perspectives. So maybe... I think that's a great segue. So yeah, Pauline Chan began as a lawyer. What Mm. got you into law in the first place? Wow, this is like a whole nother lifetime ago. I was working with my ex-husband back then who was running an insurance agency. And Mm. so we worked together and... Everything fell apart, and right when we were separating on the relationship side, basically one day I was at the office and we were chatting about some stuff, which turned into a fight, and then eventually he said, you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) So I, you know, I, I went home, I called my mom, I was crying about it, and my mom actually was a legal assistant at one of the firms in the city and she was like, they can't do that, you have rights. (laughs) And I was thinking to myself, oh, okay, you're right, why didn't I talk to you about this? So the story goes on, but essentially what I realized at that moment was I was getting a divorce and I was thinking to myself, you know, what happens when people don't know this stuff? I happened to talk to my mom who knew something about it, but if I hadn't talked to anybody, I would have just said, okay, I guess I'm out of a job, see you later, what am I going to do now? So it was in conjunction with that that I thought to myself, I want something for me that 
nobody can take away from me and it doesn't matter what happens in life I will always have this and it's stable basically I was looking for something stable and, and challenging and so that's when I decided I was going to go off to law school so Excellent. that's where it started all three of us because I've heard your story I know mine and I've heard Matt's many times I've experienced it with him have incredibly fond memories of law school and develop some relationships that half of my best friends from law school are at good lawyer now yeah. but relationships that I think will stand the test of time and not everything in law school is rosy and I think as we get into this law school story we were just kind of talking about it before we started the show that first week or few weeks mm-hmm. when you show up to law school you're excited you start making new friends and then you get hit with OCIs oh yeah I think I got my first email about OCIs two weeks, three weeks before I even got to Halifax. So it was basically around this time probably. And I got that email saying, OCIs are this date. And then if you want to get into these, you have to start submitting your resumes and your applications, blah, blah, blah. First of all, what is an OCI? Second of all, do I have to do this? If I don't do this now. Listeners that don't actually know what an OCI is, it's an on campus interview. Right. Yeah, so at this point, I'd worked for a few years, and if you'd ever applied for a job, the first thing that they wanted to see is a cover letter that tells them why they should hire you. I don't know. I haven't even stepped foot into law school. I, I don't know. <laughs> so it was already, like, even before you get into law school, you're like, uh, what does this mean? So if I don't get an OCI, does that mean I'm, I'm never going to have a job? There's no other ways to get jobs? I don't understand. But There was this pressure that, that yeah, everybody felt. Totally. Before they even really understood what they were feeling it for, I remember that. Oh, 100%. I mean, I still have told you this story a few times where it wasn't OCIs in our first year. We had career day, but that happened, I think, like 10 days into 1L, like first yeah. year of law school. Yeah. And I remember I wasn't going to go. It was on a Friday. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just still getting acquainted, getting mm-hmm. settled, and it's Friday. It was still nice. It was September. I probably wanted to go hit a patio or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And people were like, ah, you might want to go to this. This is an important <laughs> thing. So I ended up getting dragged there. And because this is the place where you get the job that you will have for the rest totally. of your life. And funny enough, I ran into someone that I knew from a kind of previous life who was working at BLG where I ended up articling. And that kind of started the process of getting hired there. But I walked into that place. Blake's was the only firm I knew. And the reason was because my cousin worked there. Okay. But it's a bunch of lettered yes. law firms yes. that I couldn't yes. distinguish one from more the other. More letters. There's more letters. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I remember looking on all the websites and being like, I don't know what else I can put in here. So I'm just going to pull off something. Oh, you're the world leader in this and this. Okay. The reason yeah. I want to work here is because you're the world leader in yeah. this and this. Yeah. That's a terrible cover letter. But initially, and to your point, I know you're going to go on a bit of a rant here probably, Brett, but it was instilled in me immediately that it's big, firm, or bust. Mm-hmm. That was the major impression totally. that I got from that day was that either you get hired at oh, one yeah. of these main firms or you're one of those other One of people. the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brett, go ahead. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I had, on the whole, a positive experience. I'm very happy that I'm not still in the big firm context, but I did learn a lot. And most importantly, I did make a ton of great friends, many of whom have also left because it wasn't for them. My big issue with it is the collusion and all of the big firms only coming yeah. in, painting this fancy picture, booking limos, taking you out yeah, to restaurants, totally. making you yeah. feel special. Suits, baby. And creating <laughs> this pressure cooker where you got a lot of type A's in law school and they're all chasing it because they're used to competing yeah. and yeah. winning it and it sucks them in. And I think the law schools have a responsibility 
to mediate that a little bit. I know the big mm-hmm. firms are providing a bunch of money to facilitate events at the law schools, and yep. there are a lot of really well-paying jobs, and the law school's role is to help students get jobs, but it's overboard. Yeah. It's overkill, and it doesn't shine a light on the other opportunities that exist that might make yep. a lot more sense for people that you literally don't even see. Yep, totally. And they say it, and they always tell you there's other options out there. Okay, but what are these other options? And also, because you've already painted this picture for me that big law is the only way to go, why would I want to go the other direction? I suppose I'll go that way if nobody hires me. But what are those other options? Oh, you'll see them as you as you get into practice. I couldn't agree more with you. And, you know, all three of us went through that process, and I think we'll get there in the story of Pauline because it's such an interesting one. We all got hired at big firms. We were successful in that situation, and we were able to to win the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None yep. of us are still there yep. because we didn't <laughs> like the game. Yeah, totally. And it, it took a long time to learn that. And I just wish that there was a little bit more transparency on what that world is really like and also what alternatives look like and like how to yep. find them. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel pressured to go the big firm route? Or maybe it's just our impression. I don't know. But uh, it, it certainly seems that... And again, I don't want to paint law schools in a corner. They have great faculty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, they have to pay the bills. They have to do all these things. And uh, there's certainly two sides of that story. But frankly, a solo practitioner can't pay for a booth or to advertise in right, those law schools. Yeah. So it almost limits the options a, a little bit, too. Oh, for sure. I think there's things that they can do to help smooth out the process. It's not just the big bad law schools that are doing these things to the poor law students. I get it. There's things that they have to think about. But at the same time, like you said, I think it's overboard. I think they need to split the efforts a little bit more and give the students a bit more options. I I don't think I felt pressured so much about the OCIs. It was just more that... I hadn't even stepped into law school. I didn't know what I was going to do after. I didn't know who I wanted to work for. I was just thinking I was going to go to school. That's all it was. If if I can be honest, I'm not sure I knew what litigation meant. Oh, my God, no. (laughs) No, I didn't. It was just another test. Yeah, totally. And I'm going to win it because, let's be honest, we're all type A. So, okay, I'm going to win it. What do I need to do to win it? I'm going to put in all these applications. I'm going to do all the interviews. We were talking about this before. 15 minutes in a little booth with two people that, you know, you don't know anything about the law. So what could they possibly want to know about you other than they can sit beside you for X number of hours a day and not want to murder you? Mm-hmm. That's okay. important. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> That's good. So then, you know, somebody rings the bell and says, okay, there's two minutes left in your interview. And then you quickly say goodbye. You hop off into the next one. Then you go out for drinks or there's a dinner followed by drinks. And then essentially really what it works out to is, are you fun to party with? Because if you're not fun to party with, do I want to hire you? We go off to have drinks and then, of course, all the people are drinking too much, partying too much. And then there's always crappy stories that come out of that. And then whatever period of time later, you find out you're hired at a firm and you're like, yes, I win. (laughs) But at what cost? I won it, but I don't even know Mm -hmm. what it is. So how, how did you end up choosing the firm that you are? and then subsequently worked at? Probably the same reason that they do the interviews and the drinks, basically. It was, I had fun with this person. Sure. Yeah. So I'll work there. I know nothing about the law. I know nothing about how they are different from the other firms, mm-hmm. but I want to win it. So I'll just take whoever it is that I had the most fun with, and then that's where I'm going. Yeah. And did you summer? Yes. 
Yeah. I think that's honestly when I knew that this probably wasn't going to work out for me. <laughs> and look, for any of you who have summered or got an article and, and got to, to take your summer in between years of law school, I mean, it's about as easy as it gets. I, half my job yes. was to reserve tables yeah. for the partners. I actually <laughs> totally. screwed that totally. up one day and I thought that was the end of my article <laughs> because I got the similar thing, go reserve this table. Uh, and it, it didn't work out so well. But anyways, yeah, I mean, but even then, like I getting kind of introduced to actual practice practice of law and I think kind of what you were alluding to there Pauline you have no clue and once you actually start understanding what it is that lawyers do and how big firms operate that's mm-hmm. when I was like oh shit okay. totally I was <laughs> picturing suits yeah yeah, yeah. I totally I was hard totally. Here, right? yes. but what is this <laughs> professor DeCoste first class foundations I ever had it was the first class I ever had he came out as this old man gets to the podium and he's like before you do another day you need to know the three d's of being a lawyer. Duty, deadlines, and drudgery. And if you're not cool with those three things, you should go home. Yeah. Oh my God. And I obviously know Matt a bit better than Pauline, but I've gotten to know Pauline quite well over the last couple of years she's been with Good Lawyer. And drudgery's not really what you guys are into. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to paint this picture like being a lawyer sucks because I don't think it does. And correct me if I'm wrong, do you regret becoming a lawyer? Absolutely not. No. But my, but yeah, and I think we'll get into this because my answer is a bit more nuanced. But fin- finish your point. Totally. Absolutely. But you do learn to think in this new Agreed. way. Yeah. And Agreed. I think, 100%. you know, almost without question, you come out of being a lawyer, yeah. whether you just went to law school maybe a little bit, but if you've practiced as a lawyer for a while, like you're coming out a more competent yes. human. Yes, huge. Agreed. Like yeah. you can just do things... Yep. better than yep. you could do them before across all sorts mm-hmm. of areas. Mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. I fully agree with that. Yeah, Why totally. don't you tell us about your articling experience and how that, that went from Actually, I'm going to go back to summary sure. just for a second. Please, yeah. But like, so, same thing, same experience with summering. It was so easy. What a dream. Mm-hmm. I remember it was at the end of summer. It's Thursday night. Drinks for everybody. And you go into the firm boardroom. and my arcteric yeah. vest on. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is nice. That's right. So everybody's drinking. And then one of the associates says, Oh, you still have friends that are not lawyers? I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you know, I just discovered you tend to lose all of your non-lawyer friends because they don't understand what your work life is like, why you're um, canceling vacations all the time, why you cancel plans on everybody else all the time. You spend all your life at work, and then when you're not working, then you're doing all of the different client events, networking within the firm, whatever else there is, and so that's really all you do you don't have time for anything else and that was the moment when I was like oh shit I don't think this is right for me mm-hmm. but like I'm on this track I've yeah, been offered a position now for articling so of course I'm going to take yeah. it once again I gotta win so I'm going to do this yeah. but really do I want to win this because I don't know if I do anymore but okay like it's good now I have a job set up for when I'm done school okay, okay. I'm just gonna pretend like I didn't hear that and maybe he's wrong it's just him you know what? it's just him I can manage I can juggle this it's no problem So then fast forward to X number of years later, I'm like, I can't juggle this. This is not happening, and I'm not letting it go. I'm not going to cave like he did. It's not happening. I'm not going to be weak. You know, like (laughs) it is almost that mentality. It's like this isn't going to beat me. Deciding the game that you're playing Mm -hmm. is really the most important question that you can answer, right? It's trying to make that decision. What game do I want to play? Because I've seen it time and time again. Mm -hmm. Lawyers get sucked into this, and I'm... Yeah, I I feel like... Really, even now when I think about it, I didn't see it when I was there in the summer, I don't think. 
into articling, it's a little bit crazy still, and you're still thinking, okay, I'm going to get through my articling year, and then it'll all be better. Exactly. I could do this. I could do it. I'll tough it out. But honestly, you look around, and it's like you said the misery. They're so unhappy, but at the same time, I'll never forget. I was working on this one file with a partner and an associate, and it's dinner time. We go downstairs and pick up dinner. We come back upstairs. I go back to my office, and I'm shoveling food in my face as I'm trying to finish (laughs) what we are doing. And the partner comes over, and he's like, hey, we're in the boardroom. You want to join? Okay, not really, because I I want to go home. Totally. But okay, whatever, like I'm not going to turn you down. So we go to the boardroom and the two of them are playing video games. I love video games. I will play with you anytime. But are you serious? Like I want to get my shit done so I can go home. And then I will play video games at home with my husband. This is my second husband. I don't want to get another divorce. I'm all about socializing with people you work with, but this is just too much. You're already there like 16 hours a day or 20 hours a day if you're having a rough couple of weeks or whatever. And... You choose to play video games at dinner time instead of just plowing through that shit that you need to do and then going home. And then you wonder why, when you go home, your spouse isn't happy with you. Mm -hmm. They haven't seen you for three weeks and neither have the kids or whatever else is going on. Mm -hmm. So then you look around like, okay, all of these guys are miserable. They spend all of their time here and most of them are divorced once twice well of course you spend all your time here of course it makes sense like the the hardest grinder Mm -hmm. yeah just sheer hours yeah just give me the volume (laughs) who cares what you did but just give me the hours Mm -hmm. and some masochistic pride isn't there yeah yeah, that was that was a thing for me where i'm like i don't understand why this is a, a thing to be proud of and again it's kind of like calling the kettle black. I'm slightly obsessed with good lawyer. <laughs> but that's over your own it's, choice. It's different. Yeah. different. Yeah. yeah, it is definitely yeah. very different. I get to do it with my best friends. But yeah, bad things are going to happen when there's no separation. There's no balance. Well, and you just feel guilty. If you're the one who wants to go home, suddenly you feel guilty. And you're like, I'm not showing my faith here enough because I just want to get my shit done and go. Like the point of this is not to try and dissuade people from working at a big firm necessarily. I do think people should go in with their eyes wide open and understand what you're getting yourself into. But especially as a, you know, as a junior lawyer, you're working on things that you don't particularly like or care about. And it's hard. Law is hard, and you mm-hmm. have to be on it. It's not like Perfection. something you're just yeah, yeah. You're not just like oh yeah, like next page. Like mm-hmm. you're trying to totally nail this, so it's taking a lot of your mental energy. And kind of to your point, you go home, and even if you do get home at seven o'clock or eight o'clock, totally. which I don't think there was many days I I got home before eight o'clock, you're gassed. Like, you're a zombie. Yeah. And repeat, rinse mm-hmm. and repeat. Totally. You know. And for me, I knew that was going to be a pretty short life cycle there but but i think you you yeah you're touching on articling and articling is certainly a rite of passage and it's no joke but i think for me and it sounds like for you pauline the more depressing part was after articling (laughs) (laughs) and and you finished articling and you're like i got over you know the hurdle the big ugly articling hurdle i did it that's probably the best part for me of being at the big firm was i got to do that with a bunch of friends Mm -hmm. and our year was super close so like it was amazing to get through that together Mm -hmm. but after articling and it's like first year law like law school everybody goes their different ways and you still have that camaraderie that relationship that you really you know developed over articling but now it's like the rest of your life yeah 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 what was that situation what was that realization or scenario like for you Yeah, and then you're thinking, okay, everything's going to get better. It's still hard work, and you're still going to spend a lot of time working. But 
things will get better because you'll have more control over the things that you're doing or your time when you do it. No, it turns out that this is just, it's almost exactly like articling, except for the fact that now you're on your own insurance, first of all, so it's except scary you better do shit. a damn good job. Yeah, totally. Yeah, student. totally. And then, of course, now at this point, when you're an articling student, you get this too. But for some reason, I felt like it got actually more intense after that was, unfortunately, there's lots of partners out there who are not very good at organizing their time and or the work that needs to be done. And that's always going to be the Friday afternoon email that is, oh, uh, this has to be done for Monday. Mm -hmm. And you scroll down and you're like, you got this like four weeks ago. And it's, yeah, okay, it has to be done by Monday, but you're sending it to me now? Yeah. I have three days to do it? I have plans. Yeah. Why is it my problem that you're so bad at organizing or reading your emails or whatever the problem is? But then now I am going to suffer the consequences. I cancel plans with everybody that I made plans with. Now my spouse is mad at me because I'm like, I have to work. Yeah. Like You always have to work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Totally. It gets old, though. You can only use that... And that just keeps yeah, going. It does. It just yeah. keeps going. Nothing changes. You know, I think that the pressure, I think it's twofold. The pressure comes from the top. The clients are applying pressure. Yep. Then the yeah. partners are applying pressure. And then it just keeps working its way down to get it done. And again, disorganization mm-hmm. leads to yep. delays and all that kind of stuff. But you can see it. Again, you look at the people at the top. Mm-hmm. They're not playing video games most of the time. That's like late in the evening, you know? Like yep. they're yep. also super stressed. Yeah. And like there was very few folks above me in the chain that I was, you know, aspiring to be because I could see the stress and pressure that mm-hmm. they felt all the time. Mm-hmm. Those golden handcuffs, they're kind of yep. stuck. Yep. So you got to get it done. You got to get it done perfect. But the part that really ticks me off is also don't use technology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, totally. we have, I know that there's software out there that might do this faster, but like doesn't really make sense for our business model. And so yep. get it done perfect and do it analog. Yeah, 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 totally, yeah. yeah. Okay, this doesn't make any sense. I remember one time, this is our chief legal, Josh, is one of his favorite stories. I was asked to draft this memo, and I had a habit of kind of searching for the memo because I was always certain that someone had done uh-huh. it before. Yeah. I was always like, I know there's a shortcut, I won't find it. Yeah. <laughs> and this one time, I found the exact answer to this nuanced question, and I'm like, oh, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. But it was on Thomson Reuters, and it was 130 bucks. And I'm like, oh, it's perfect. 100 yeah. bucks, that's 20 minutes of my <laughs> totally. time. Totally, like, perfect. Know, I guarantee that I'm going to take more than yeah. 20 minutes to yeah. figure this totally. out. Like, that's the best answer right there. And I go to the partner, and they're just like, what is this? I'm like, it's the answer. It's right there. <laughs> we, uh, do you have a credit card? Like, we can buy it. It's right there. <laughs> we did not buy it, and I don't think I did any more work for that part. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just an example of the answer is right in front of your yeah. face. And you just don't want to do it because it's not how it was done last time. Like, part of me can't help but feel like, you know, is this one of these things where it's like, I had to go through this, and now you have to go through it. It's It's so so twisted. It's so twisted. twisted. Why are we doing it this way? Because that's how it's always been done. Can we change it? No. I had to do it like that, and you will suffer too. You're right. Improving is terrible. Getting better, faster, and more efficient, I was asked to stop giving my ideas. (laughs) I'm like, you can throw them in the trash. I have no power. (laughs) They're like, no, don't even... We don't even want them to come out of your mouth. But like, in what other business, like, how is this real? In what other business is this acceptable that I have ideas and you're like, no, I don't want to hear them. Let's just do it the way we've always done. What business that does that on a regular and continuing basis is going to survive? 
I would say none. Uh, agreed. The, you know, that was the, the Suskin book that really tweaked me onto the whole future of law thing way back in law school. And the title of the book was The End of Lawyers. That was the title of the book. And then he came out with a little bit revamped version that was called Tomorrow's Lawyer, a little yeah. bit softer. A little easier to sell. Palatable, yeah. <laughs> but The End of Lawyers, and I think lawyers play a super important role in society. Like, Absolutely. critical. And yeah. you can't replace us with robots. Like, you can't because the nature of law is so human. Mm -hmm. Lawyers are always going to be around. Like, you're not getting rid of us mm -hmm. because the law is human and it adapts yeah. over time mm -hmm. based on what society looks like. So Yeah, and without getting you on your rant, which I know you love, part of the reason I would say is the, the partnership model because the lawyers are in their defense so busy and so run off their feet, as we've already articulated, mm -hmm. that just even thinking, am I going to take half a week to learn how to do this better, to learn a new software, to yeah. implement that? Oh, I got to be billing. That's going to be time out of my billable hours. Now I'm going to have to do it on the weekend. I have plans to go away. Yeah. But so, but without, and you can you can bring it no, back I here if you want in a second. But how, so, how long did you last before you said, okay, enough of this? And and how did that decision come? Because I think that that's a that's a you're walking away from the the golden prize. Oh man! You know this is what's being held up for a long time. Is you've won, you've won mm -hmm. the game, and now you're saying, ah, I don't want to win this game, and that takes some time to release process and to deal with because you're also walking away from frankly quite a bit of money yeah. and you got into it because you were looking for stability yeah so yeah how'd that decision come about for you my immigrant parents who were so excited to have me in one of the acceptable professions and then i'm like mom and dad i'm i think i'm gonna leave the firm i don't I, i'm gonna leave my dad is just like what you went to how many years yeah. of law school what did you pay to go to law school blah 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 like, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. But one of the associates in my group, her and I, really close, and she had she had fallen off her horse and broken her arm. I think it was, like, the upper part of Ugh. her arm, so it was, like, a big, icky break. She was in the hospital for, I think, a month, and then she came back to work. And I remember we were talking about it, and I was like, I really don't mean it the way this sounds, but... I kind of wish that I'd broken my arm so I could just be in the hospital for a month and then I wouldn't have to be here. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to die, but, you know, like, what if I was just crossing the street and, you know, this car drove by me and broke my she arm? Me, like, yeah, a bit, you know? but not too little. I need, like, a yeah. solid chunk of time away. This is the only way I can think of to escape this. Because clearly vacation is not enough to yeah. escape this. Anything else is not enough. Yeah. So we were talking about it and she goes... I think you need to talk to somebody. So, okay, so I, I actually went back to my principal. We're really close. We talked a lot. He was always an amazing guy. So I talked to him, and he was like, oh, that's not good. And he had said to me, though, that this group that I was in had had a rotating door for many years. So I was not the first to be like, I'm out of here. I can't take this anymore. And so, like the big firms do, generally, if you are acceptable for the most part, then they, they help you find a position elsewhere in-house and so I was like oh my god thank god like literally I think he probably saved my life if I had continued on this path you try to hurt yourself just enough to be in the hospital but let's be honest that's well, not how it works out it's interesting you say that because I remember uh, actually when I was articling and I played hockey growing up a fairly competitive level for uh, a few years and unfortunately it's a physical game and I had more than my fair share of concussions and I was playing rec hockey and I remember it was just a freak thing I, I caught it an edge and hit my head 
and I got a minor concussion. And but I'm pretty sensitive to him at this point because I know obviously what concussions mm-hmm. can do to you. I've had, like I said, more than my fair share, and I certainly don't need any more. And I got a concussion, and I remember going into work the next day, and I couldn't read the screen. Like I was blurry, and I wasn't in a good state. And I was happy. <laughs> like, I ended yeah. up being dead serious because I'm like, I have yeah. to go home. I can't yeah. work. Totally. And I was, like, in the middle of this absolutely brutal document review project that was, I think we're in, the, like, our second month of pretty Gross. much only that. Yeah, it was awful. And with people that I couldn't stand. Ugh. And it was just, like, I was trapped. And mm-hmm. I caught my break. Mm-hmm. And how perverse is this yeah. that I'm, like, I, I am now a step closer to dementia later in my life, yeah. like, legitimately. Yeah. And I'm feeling more relieved mm-hmm. just to have this break from work. The you pressure said. is so uh, yeah. intense. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, like I said, it was weird. It feels normal at the time you're thinking about it. It feels, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's not a weird thought. And then yeah. uh, like, <laughs> later on, you're like, what the? That's, no, you. that's terrible mm-hmm. that, that you saw this as a net positive yep. that you hit your head and couldn't read the computer screen because you had to go home and do nothing. What other profession is it okay to feel like this. You know what I mean? Global sports, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, okay, that's fair, that's fair. And the other thing that you said that was really interesting is that, you know, oh, this this is a revolving door. This this department was known, and what frustrates me, this is one thing, and again, we are are on the side of big firms. We want big firms to change. We've invited them out to our events. Like, we want one of these big firms to step up and say, hold on a second, do we really need to do it this way? You know, that's our Mm -hmm. hope. Whether or not that's delusional, we can argue. But you have this revolving door, and it's like, oh, yeah, carry on. Next person up. Oh, no, totally. No, hold on a second. Why are so many people leaving? Yeah. Which you think would be the, the question saying, is it us? I've had 15 <laughs> people leave me in the last six years. Could it possibly be something that we're doing? But that, that's never the question. And maybe that is the partnership model. I don't know. I don't understand that either. I remember one lawyer when I left, came to talk to me and actually, he's one of the lawyers that got to be, I don't know if got to be is the right word, he's a forever associate and he he was always gonna be there. And I went to his office to say bye and he was like, it's just really sad, we keep losing these talented female lawyers every year, all the time, over and over, like especially in that group. And then that was basically the end of it and I was like, what? So clearly you're aware there is an issue here. So let's go there. Uh, and again, we're putting probably ourselves as two males on the hot seat a little bit here. But how uh, how did you find the experience being a female in a law firm? It's just a bad situation to begin with. That's what we were talking about with OCIs. You go to an OCI and part of the process is going out for dinner and drinks. And it's usually, not always, but it's usually a couple male lawyers from the firm and then the students. And from what I understand, or the stats were, I think, the last time I looked, when you go into law school, it's a roughly rough, uh, 50-50 split, mm-hmm. female-male. And then, so you've got a group out there partying and having fun. What do you think could possibly go wrong with alcohol and lawyers that you're trying to impress for a job and you're out at the bar with females? That's, that doesn't start well. And then it continues on right on into the firm. It's the same idea. You go out... I remember being at a, at a firm event with clients and there was some inappropriate behavior from a client, a male client, and nobody said a word. Like, it wasn't the comments that nobody could hear. It was like you could see what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I had one male lawyer come up to me and say, that's not appropriate. I'm really sorry about that. And then that was it. 
And Body's I'm like, a huge file, so we're like, you know, we're, yeah, we're there was nothing. Right, yeah. There was nothing. Like, we'll talk to him about it, or he, we won't invite him back, or whatever. So I don't know. It's just that's a shitty environment, and I can almost guarantee you that every female lawyer has had to deal with that, either yep. from clients or other lawyers. And what are you going to do? Complain about it? Are you going to say something to somebody about it? Because that's the first way you're going to get fired. Of course, they would never actually fire you. You get quietly pushed right. off into a corner. Either you leave or they send you off somewhere else to work. And that's super frustrating, super frustrating. The other thing, too, is that you just get that kind of, it's a quiet exclusion, essentially. But if you have kids and you can't go out for after work drinks, yep. or maybe you don't drink, then what happens? So all the guys go out for drinks yep. or, you know, there's always going to be a firm, whatever, hockey team. And I'm not dumping on no, hockey. No, no, it's no. just, there's always going to be something like that. There's a firm hockey team. How many of your female lawyers are going to go play on that team? Probably not many, yep. maybe. But just like that, again, you're excluded. And yep. so you don't get the good work. You don't get the good files. You don't get the visibility. And so the only way you can do that is to go to the other events. But then if you're not a drinker, then that's a problem. And I'm sure that's not at every single firm, but... It's enough, though. You're yeah. Yeah. And it goes right. back to your point from earlier in the show today about just the all-consuming nature of it. You're already... yeah. In your seat, not moving anywhere, typing. <laughs> I don't for want to like play hockey. 10, 12 hours <laughs> yeah. a day. And then after that, it's okay, now let's go schmooze. There's the odd time some of the partners or whatever will be like, oh, okay, maybe we do something that's more inclusive. Why don't you take some of the, the female bankers and get pedicures? Oh, I know what. You know what? You guys don't golf, so how about we give you golfing lessons? Why don't you try asking us what yeah. we would like to do, what we can do with our clients. Just because it's a female doesn't mean I have to hang out with all the female clients. You know, you need to find ways to include us and maybe ask us. No, it's interesting. And do you, so do you have any suggestions for firms? Like if you were in charge on how to do that, obviously you mentioned being more inclusive and everything, but is there anything like... Is this just a mentality shift that needs to happen? Or is this just something that is going to be like one of those slow declines, hopefully, where people get better at this? Or it, maybe there isn't a decline. I don't really know. Well, I think they could start by maybe... I, it's so hard. Oh, my God. That's such yeah, a big... Yeah, it is. It's tough. First of all, how do you get women into a position where they can actually be at a level to make those kinds of impacts on the entire partnership? It's like I said earlier, the stat that I had seen, and this is an older stat, I think, but 50% of law school students are female, roughly. You get to partnership years, two females in a group of 50. Maybe? Why is that, in your opinion? If you want to have kids, it's not happening. Your options are get a nanny and get a nanny really yeah and so ideally one that lives in your house yeah totally oh yeah yeah she can't go home because you she never is. know what your schedule yeah. is going yeah. to be Live in nanny. yeah so that she can handle the kids like at all hours of the day and when you get called away or you can't come home it, it starts really at the articling level if there's students that don't come back because after articling they're like oh my god i can't do this anymore i'm not doing this or i'm going to do something else or they just spend the first couple years at the firm and they're like this isn't happening and they leave so if you can keep those, the female lawyers at that stage, it helps with the partnership. And then once it helps with the partnership, then hopefully you have women in a position who can help make change. But then also, like, just because you're trying to keep more women in the firm, you should be asking them what they need and how you can support them and actually mean it. Instead just of asking the question checked. and saying, okay, yeah. I asked, that's the end. They didn't want pedicures. Well, and, and it's honestly kind of a windfall for 
good lawyer because mm-hmm. I can tell you right now <laughs> yeah. that we've got some amazing guys on the platform, but the best good lawyers, yourself included, are women. And they're women that had yep. enough of that environment yep. that didn't fit what they were looking for. And we've been able to scoop them up yep. because mm-hmm. we're providing something that fits. Yep. And I think that's one of the biggest failings of our profession. We've got this huge access issue and we have all of these incredibly smart women sitting on the sidelines, mm-hmm. not practicing mm-hmm. because it feels like it's either 200% or nothing. Yeah, and totally. if they can afford to, to leave, you just see women leaving the big firms, like you said, like totally. like crazy amounts. Yeah. yeah. But like, let's let's try and turn the page to something a bit more hopeful, because one of the reasons <laughs> that we wanted you on here was uh, because after you left the big shop, you have a really interesting story. And you alluded to it, it sounded like you went in-house first, but do you want to just take mm-hmm. us through, yeah, the, the second part, I guess, of your legal <laughs> journey and, and how you wound up to where you are right now? It was shortly after I had that conversation about wishing that I could be in the hospital for a month and not have to work. I went in-house and it was around that time that I was, we were thinking about starting a family and I was like, that's never going to happen at, at the big firm. Yeah. So. I'm going to go and then we'll figure something else out. In-house was, it was better, but still, it was probably not. It was probably a tough start because I was the only lawyer for, I think at the time the company was a thousand people growing up to 1,500. Yeah, Like they were just growing like crazy. And so they had no lawyers in-house and I was the first one there and I'm like, oh my God. So that was... It was really interesting. It was a learning curve. But then that's sort of around the time when we were starting a family. And I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. I think it was a poor situation. I think other in-house positions might have been better, maybe. Um, So at that point, I basically, I left. And then the company actually, they ended up moving on, let's just say. They just ended up moving on. And because at this point, I'm thinking, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. This just sucks. There's nothing out there. And I can't make this work for what I want. So I'm just going to leave the profession. So Zero or 100? Yeah, Yeah. totally. So I guess I'm zero. I'm out. I won, but I didn't really win. So I'm out. So I think to myself, what do I like? What could I do every day? And if I had to work the same kind of crazy hours, what could I see myself doing that I'd be okay with or I'd be happy with. So I started taking a bunch of different classes just to see what I wanted. And I ended up taking some bar classes, which was new to Calgary and sort of Canada generally at that time. Took some classes, loved it, fell in love with it. It's actually like the perfect type A personality workout because you just can never, you just go in there to win it and you just can't. Mm -hmm. You can never win it. And it's been years and years and I still can't win it. So I met my business partner there, actually. I took a bunch of classes with her, and she had actually moved here from California because she married a Calgarian. So she moved up here, and then she was like, there's no bar studios here? How do you guys do anything around here? So we had a chat about it. She was going on vacation, and she was going to be back in a couple months. And I said, hey, I want to talk to you about something when you come back. I've been thinking about some stuff that I think we should talk about. And she was like, really? Because I think I have some stuff I want to talk to you about. So we took that as the universe bringing us together. And so when she came back, we started talking about opening a bar studio together. And it was five years later. It, the journey was very much up and down. And then five years later, we opened the studio. And at this point, I am a month away from having my second baby. And so during this whole time, we haven't done anything with the studio yet. During this so whole time. five years of thinking about the studio? 
sort of going back and forth like we'd put together a business plan we were thinking about looking for space and then we're thinking about how we're going to raise money for it we've got some but are you working you know, as a more. lawyer at this time yeah so i leave in-house i have my first child and then at this point i start my own law practice and I'm like, I was raised in big law. I don't know what I'm doing. So right. what Which do is I? Interesting yeah, like yeah. it's just it goes again from a hundred to I would. It's not that I want to put it, just make it sound like big law is a hundred and sole proprietor is zero, but right. the difference is vast, very vast. So I go into my own law practice, and then I actually, through going to all of these different classes, run into some lawyer friends who are in-house, and one of them says to me. Actually, you know what? I'm about to take a mat leave, and also I could use some help with overflow work. Uh, can you help us out sort of essentially as contract mm-hmm. counsel? And I'm like, oh, that sounds perfect, because she's like, I don't think I need somebody full-time except for during the mat leave cover, but I'm like, this is perfect. I can work the number of hours that are reasonable that I want to work while having a life and maybe doing this other thing with the fitness mm-hmm. studio. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, this is great. I can juggle all of the things because I don't want to be just the lawyer at the big firm. I have other interests. I want to have my non-lawyer friends and I want to do non-lawyer things. So it all kind it's of... so funny how we use non-lawyer, by the way. I know. It's such an awkward word, isn't it? <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. Um, Yeah, at this point, I'm working, I guess, part-time hours, but I'm actually being paid for my time reasonably instead Mm -hmm. of this other associate that I was talking about earlier. So I do this for a number of years, and then we're working on the business plan. I think she she gets a job working for a studio as a general manager. Just quickly, it's amazing how much you can make as a lawyer when you put the dollars directly in your pocket. Oh, God, yeah. So, yeah, so it went through some ups and downs, starts and stops with the fitness studio. But then by the time we open, I'm firmly into my, like, roughly, I practice maybe 30 hours a week at that point. And we open up the studio. And then I, same idea. And then I'm thinking to myself, over time, I'm going to turn down the law practice and move away from it because I'm, like, it's better with a sole proprietorship. But... It was very isolating compared to being at the big firm, obviously, when you were surrounded. I mean, as much as I say, I'm like, I want to keep all my non-lawyer friends, but you still want the lawyer friends. Like, this is what I do also, and it's so good to be able to turn around and say, hey, is this crazy what I'm thinking, but this seems like a problem, or what do you think? And so uh, being a sole proprietor can be very isolating. And of course, at this point, the big firm friends that I have are like, what are you doing? You are crazy. Come here. Come to my firm. It's different. No. I don't think so. I doubt that very much. I don't much. believe you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Bullshit. Uh, you canceled plans last weekend. Yeah, exactly. I got to go on a vacation. When was your last vacation? Yeah. Are you in essentially the same position now? Like, obviously, you're on the Good Lawyer platform. Fantastic lawyer, obviously. But is that kind of the split that you have now between the the fitness studio and your practice? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah roughly. I would say I've turned it down probably a little bit more on both sides, okay. um, both at the studio and and with the law practice, just because one kid is one kid, two kids oh, is more like 100. I, I don't understand. The math doesn't work out. Compound. Yeah. yeah, there's some <laughs> weird compounding situation. Other, yeah. It's not good. <laughs> it, it's two boys, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's why. That's also that's why. Yeah, we both come from that's two boys. <laughs> I, I can tell you, it's compounding. You better be nice to your parents. So, um, advice to... Lawyers that are potentially in the situation you were at the big shop, is setting up your own practice, is that something that is a completely viable alternative to 
big law that solves the problems? Is it uh, you know a mixed bag, a double-edged sword, something like that? Uh, what would you say to someone who is saying, hey, I'm thinking about following in your footsteps here, setting up my own shop? What would um, be your comment there? It's it's a mixed bag. It's I think it's to be realistic. I think it's fair. Every situation has its pros and cons. You can't really say that you go to the big firm and collect a salary and do your job because that's not really what it is. There's there is stability there if you're into giving up everything else in life for that stability. It just costs you everything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, don't work at hand Blakey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great point, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which you almost did. But I definitely, it goes back to sort of with the law schools. I think there's so many options out there. And I've said this before about Good Lawyer. I have been waiting my whole life for Good Lawyer to come along. And now that it has, this is amazing. I can turn things off, turn things on. I can do what I want to do. I can do it when I want to do. And I'm getting the support of the Good Lawyer platform and the team to do all of this so that I can juggle the other things. You know your clients taken care of. Yeah. You know? And that seems like such a shameless plug for this, but no, I'm just no. saying. It's an important point, though, because there hasn't been, with maybe a few minor exceptions, like an ability for you to do exactly that. Say, hey, you know what? I have enough work right now. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I don't need any more. I'm yeah. going to shut this off for a while and work on your own terms. And mm-hmm. actually that. And you can say we obviously will knock on your door subtly every once in a while, even to see if uh, maybe you can sneak one more thing mm-hmm. in. But if you say no, we respect that. And yeah. It's not the same feeling. Yeah, it's not the same feeling. right when as when a partner is sending you twenty nine emails over a weekend wondering where you were and yeah. you're like, what, what do you mean where am I? I was like, how, how dare <laughs> I'm you? I'm sick yeah. and I'm not working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm concussed again. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I think obviously we've been talking a lot about life in the firm and mostly its cons. Hopefully, a few of its pros. Friends. A hundred percent. But for some people, I think that in their time, whatever their time of life, their stage of life. It might be perfect. It might be exactly what they want. And honestly, whatever, you just, you're happy to use this education you have and just go crazy grinding. That's fine. That's great. That's probably exactly where you want to be, maybe. Some people that thrive in that environment, but I I definitely pretty firmly believe that most don't. And I think you're right. Matt touched on this earlier. They need to adapt to the future. Yeah. And they need new ideas Mm -hmm. and they need new approaches. I don't see them going anywhere because there are the huge corporations that are going to be calling on them mm-hmm. for a really long time. But the status quo is not going to cut it. No. I think your your point's really interesting, too, in the sense that because I left fairly early on. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the kind of deciding moments was I was looking around the firm and I'm like, okay, who do I want to be? And don't get me wrong. There are a ton of great people. There mm-hmm. are great people that Absolutely. like either uh, respect the show. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. And you work hard. And one of the things, and actually this will be our final question, so I won't go too deep into it, but it taught me what it takes to be excellent. Do you mm-hmm. see high performers around you every single day? And there's a ton to be said about that. But when I looked at it long term, I'm like, okay, so whose life do I want? And there, I, not <laughs> totally. a single person. There's, I'm like, I no, like you're killing it. You have a, you know, a big house on the hill, and like all the respect and all very this. Very sad. But there is, a, there are not many truly happy people. There yeah, are people who totally. manage well Absolutely. that are like, yeah, uh, I've kind of found my thing, and and that's about as good as it gets. You do get a few people that just love being lawyers, you know, whatever. But most of the people are in this state of quiet desperation yeah. of one extent or another. And if there was a viable alternative that could pay 
a similar Absolutely. they would be gone in a second well, a second totally and let's just look at the other side of it really quick because I know we got to wrap this up pretty soon here the, the down, fears yeah. and like <laughs> the difficulty of going solo because you don't oh, God, have totally. those firm pressures but you have a ton of other stresses yeah. mm-hmm. and from my conversations with lawyers, you know, it seems like the biggest stressor is where's the next file going to come from? <coughs> I feel like you're probably way above average in terms of your entrepreneurship. Like you've gone and built this other business on the side. Totally. I know how personable you are. You killed it every step of the way, but you're exceptional. And for a lot of us lawyers out there who the business, the entrepreneur side doesn't come so easy. I imagine it's incredibly stressful. Oh yeah. Like I you mean, mentioned the isolation. Oh my gosh. Just the pressure too. Oh, totally. I mean, before I ran into that first friend of mine who was like, oh, I'm going on a mat leave soon. I might need some help, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do? I don't like, I have a business background and I did that in school. So I have a bit of a sense of what I need to do, but also what? So (laughs) how do I apply this? Because I've only ever done the law. Like I don't, I've drafted things. I've read a lot of documents, but there's this whole business of law that I had never thought about. And now I'm like, oh, okay, how do I do this? I have to, oh, I have to build a website. How am I going to stand out? Like, how am I going to stand how out? There's a million. To the website? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So it's, you're right. It's so much pressure. And it's, okay, I'm going to make a go of it. Okay, where are my, where are my clients going to come from? That is so amplified when you're actually a solo. And mm-hmm. you actually mm-hmm. have nobody feeding, mm-hmm. you know, no direct lines yeah. to new work. So yeah. I feel lucky because I have a marketing background, so I have a sense of what that means mm-hmm. and how to do that. But then otherwise, how does this happen? I don't. I only know how to do the work. I need to hire somebody, but I don't have any money to hire somebody. How am I going to get this? Get people in the door? I. How do I make sure clients pay me? Yeah, you know? chasing, spending all your time chasing people for these bills, and it's maybe I just let it go because it's causing me more money, totally. costing me way more money. Yeah, we have a we have a system set up for that at Good Lawyer, and it's called Taylor Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and you will pay. <laughs> yes. He will politely call you yeah. again and again. So final question here, and again, thank you for uh, going overtime with us. But I have to ask, so someone asked you, thinking about going to law school, the question, what do you tell them? And this is, uh, this is a challenging one. It's, it, there's definitely pros and cons here, so I'd love, I'd love to hear what you'd say. Uh, well, first of all, I think law school is amazing. We talked about this earlier in that it's, even if you never practiced, having gone through law school and, and being taught how to think about problems, how to solve problems, how to look at things is so important. Like it broadens your perspective so very much. And it's so, they say this and I never really understood it until after law school and I started thinking about doing other things. It's applicable to everything and anything that you do. Totally. You learn how to systematically break down problems. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I would highly recommend law school. It was awesome. Becoming a lawyer, it's just definitely don't watch any shows about that. It is nothing (laughs) like the shows at all. It's true. But really, like the big firm life is definitely something that you really have to, I I think you have to go into it, like you said, eyes wide open so you know exactly what to expect. It can be very rewarding. And to be honest, I don't think I discovered how rewarding it could be until I was on the Good Lawyer platform and working with small businesses that are just so grateful for your help. And I'm like, you're so welcome. I think it can be very rewarding, but you really have to spend some time finding what you want to do, what you like, what you don't like. And it's not a... 
it's not a failure if you don't like one area of law, it is what it is. Or if you don't like the way the practice is, for example, in a big firm or in-house or whatever it is, um, there's other options. You just have to, you have to look for them. You have to be creative in how you get there because apparently our profession is so terrible at being creative or not all of us, I guess, and creative in the sense of how to get the business to evolve and to move forward with the rest of the world and to give options to people on how to have this profession, but also have a life outside of it. It's just, I feel like it's just been drilled into everybody that you can't. And I don't, personally, I don't think that the lawyers that are coming up behind us think that is acceptable. It doesn't have to be that way. It, right. doesn't, it really doesn't have to be that way. And yeah. so I just, I, it's a noble profession, but you're not going to find that everywhere you go. And if you don't feel that way about it, then I think it's maybe time to start reconsidering. Despite kind of everything that we said about articling and practicing at a big firm, I leveled up in ways I never would have had I not done that. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. was the hard, one of the hardest years of my life. I wouldn't do it again, but it put me into a place that I could, I knew what it was going to take to do the things I really wanted to do. And it, maybe that's not the most efficient way of getting there. It, it was worth every second of it. Yeah. I feel like I need to say something about how, because I feel bad. I feel like I've been trashing big law the whole time. Also. <laughs> oh, we, I am very grateful. Doing it for a year. <laughs> yeah. I am, I am very grateful for the time that I had there, the people that I had there, even and all the things that I learned, like you said. I think if I had to go back and do it again, I'm a firm believer that I, I would do it again just because that's how I got where I am now. Ready, final thought? Yeah, I, that was incredible. And yeah, just so, so grateful to have you in the, the good lawyer community and get a chance to bring you on and tell your story. I've said this before, I think law is the coolest thing humans have ever created, yeah. which is a bold statement, yeah. but it really does facilitate everything else mm-hmm. that we've been able to do as a you know society, a civilization. Yeah. And lawyers have been, you know, delegated the role of carrying that mantle further. And I think it is a noble profession. I think it's one where you can find a ton of purpose, a ton of opportunity to put your brain to work. And my hope is conversations like this, companies like Good Lawyer that are trying to change it, lawyers like yourself, Pauline, who have been searching for a different way of practicing this unique craft will move the dial and get us to a place that's better for everybody, better for clients and mm-hmm. better for lawyers who are a lot sadder than I'd like to see them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. And at the risk of being like that partner who kept you there to play video games, we're going to end this now so you can get home <laughs> to your family. <laughs> but we really appreciate the, uh, the conversation and the insights. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out goodlawyer.ca slash podcast, where you'll find every episode along with the show notes and resources. You can also sign up for Good Lawyer's newsletter that keeps you up to date on all the info and tools you need to turn your business into a rocket ship. Until next time, we hope you have a great week.